Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. of you have no idea what just happened? <laughs> How many of you knew like from the first two notes of that song exactly what, okay, a couple of you hands down. How many of you are just completely lost and thinking we're entering into a TV episode right now or something? So that's the theme to Cheers and I got to confess as I was preparing this message, that was the song that I just had in my head all week, right? Everybody wants a place where everybody knows their name, right? And they're always glad that you came. And in the episode in, in the TV show Cheers, for those of you who don't know, Google it. Uh, it's a thing. And uh, that was their answer, right? They had this bar called Cheers, and that was where everybody knew their name. It's where they would hang out and where they would go through life together, ups and downs, and they would weather the storm with the people around them. But I was just thinking about that opening song there and the words to that song, right? That everybody, that making your way through the world today takes, every, I'm not singing it, right? I'm just saying it. That's why I played the clip. Everybody wants people to go through life with because life gets complicated, it gets hard, it gets difficult. And man, having a place to let our hair down and just be ourselves would be great, right? A place where people know your name and they're always glad to see you. And regardless of if we're talking about Cheers or whatever TV show happens to be uh, the latest fad to social media, I think everybody is looking for a place to belong. Everybody wants a place where they can be themselves, where they can hang out, where they can be accepted and go through life together. Everybody's looking for a place to belong. Well, we're in week two of our series, Shine. We've been looking at the core values here at the Porch Church, and we've been kind of taking some time out to look at what we value as a church, how we kind of structure those things, and what we invite people to come and be a part of. And so last week was kind of the flagship. We talked about Shine and how we're here to shine the light and the love of Jesus Christ, not only corporately as a church, but individually that we shine Christ's light in the world around us. And we had this neat night sky uh, that we got to respond to, and we got to say, hey, we're going to shine like stars, just like it says in Philippians 2, and so some of us were able to put stars on that painting last week, and uh, some of you missed out, and that's a really big bummer, you know, snooze you lose, I guess that'll teach you to miss church, right? Um, but I've got good news, we've got another interactive piece, we're going to be painting this picture all four weeks of this series, so there's today and two more weeks following it, but today, you lucked out, this is the last kind of interactive portion to the painting, so April Green is over there painting, and uh, she's going to continue to. Yeah, wave to her, say hello, and uh, we'll get a chance to respond more on that here in a little bit because today we're talking about our core value, belong, or at least kind of the first step in our core values, that everybody wants to belong someplace, and so we here at the porch exist to shine the light and the love of Jesus Christ, and we do that by inviting people to belong to a family. We want to create a community here, a place here, where people feel accepted, where people can walk off the street and where they can feel a little bit of that love that God has for them simply by walking through our doors, a place where everybody knows your name and everybody's glad you came, right? Okay, enough cheers. I promise that's the last reference. 
in my house, we say it a little bit differently. Some of you know our roommate, Tyler. He's the, probably the tallest guy here. And, uh, and when he comes home, he, he used to be a barista, and he says, everybody needs in their life somebody who knows how they take their coffee. Right? Everybody just needs to show up and have that person know exactly what they're going to order, whether it's a spouse or a friend or the person at Starbucks. But everybody wants to be known to some degree, to feel like they have a place where they can belong, let their hair down again, go through life together. And so here at the porch, we want to create a church that does that. Do we want to have a place where people can belong to a church family? Absolutely. Do we ultimately want people to belong to the family of God? Of course, that's our highest ideal. But even more simply than that, we we simply want to create a space where people can walk in the doors and feel like they can belong here, like they can be accepted, like they can be loved here, have a place to establish an identity and build relationships with the people around us. We kind of want a bit, uh, a bit of that feeling of home, right? I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church that feels like home, right? Anybody ever been homesick? Anybody ever been homesick, right? Traveling maybe a little bit, or maybe like when you left for college for the first time or something like that, where you've just kind of had that feeling of something being lost, of a past experience. Maybe it was moving into a new house and your children were born or you had memories in that first house and then you got a job transfer, you moved and you just, oh, I just miss, I just miss our old house. Do you remember that memory or do you remember this part of it? I think that as a church, we want a little bit of that feeling of being homesick. And here's what I mean, right? Home is where we create these values, right? These memories that we remember and have strong association to. But home is also the place where we can be the absolute worst version of ourselves and still feel love and acceptance, right? We can completely blow up and lose it at a spouse, sometimes at our children. We won't talk about that right now. It'll come later. Sometimes we do it to our siblings. And yet family is still family. We can still come back together. And it never fails that when life gets tough or when things get hard that we end up feeling a little bit homesick. Like we want to go to that place where we feel safe and secure, a place where we belong. And so we want to create a church, an environment, relationships here where we feel like you can belong to a family, like this can be a home away from home. So, so get this, last week we talked about our name, The Porch Church, you remember this? And we talked about the fact that the front porch was designed to be a space that we engage with neighbors, right? As opposed to the backyard, which is where we just go to hang out and kind of be by ourselves, but the front porch exists to invite people who are not a part of our family to come and hang out with us, right? That's kind of what the picture of this is. So and then we get to know people on the front porch, right? We're sitting, eating some uh, iced tea and lemonade, hanging out, watching people walk their dogs, and then eventually it moves into something a little bit more more than that. Like, hey, we should just let our kids hang out and play. You know, we got a swing set in the backyard. What if we grilled burgers some night and just invited you guys over? Yeah, that'd be cool. We'd like that. So it transitions from a front porch, just a place where people connect and where they get to know each other, and it moves into an intimate space, a space where we get to have a meal and have a conversation. We invite people into our homes. So as a church, we exist to be that gateway into the neighborhood to invite people into our home where hopefully we can build and establish some solid relationships, give them a place to belong. And so that's kind of the vision behind the porch and why we invite people to come in with us because we want to create that family aspect. Now, if, if I'm honest with you, the porch for us in this season of our life has absolutely been an extended family. I don't know how many of you guys know this whole story, but we were living in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, um, which is not horse and buggy, I promise. We've got cell phones, we've got electricity, all that stuff. Um, but we were living there, and this was really our home. Melissa and I met in high school. 
uh, right, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Started dating in high school. My parents still live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Melissa has a sister that still lives there, and Sioux Falls was kind of the, the hub for all of our extended family to come back and visit, right? It's where everybody kind of got connected. It's where we had the strongest family ties. And so when we felt like God was asking us to come out here to the porch to move to Colorado, there was a lot of excitement about that. There was a lot of adventure and feeling like God was asking us to make this move. But if I'm honest, there was a real sense of lostness as well, because that was the place where we belonged. It's where we had history and family, and it's where we made memories. So not only were we leaving a job, both of our jobs, to be able to come here, not only were we leaving our church family, the place where we belonged, but we were actually leaving our legitimate nuclear family in order to come out here and be a part of what God wanted us to do and be a part of with you guys out here, which was really exciting, except that it's also been probably one of the loneliest seasons in our lives, moving out here to a place where we don't know anybody and you're kind of the lead pastor, which means like uh, there's a bit of a stigma between like hanging out with a pastor and just like a normal person. I don't know if you all know that, but uh, let me tell you, that's what I feel. Um, And so there's just been this season of loneliness. And so just last week, Melissa and I were kind of talking and going, hey, man, you know, this, is, this has been a little rough, and we kind of had this moment of nostalgia. We were a little bit homesick because my mom used to, used to pick up the kids from school on some Fridays, and this was a magical thing. So we dropped the kids off at school on Friday. She would pick them up from school on Friday, and she would keep them until church got out on Sunday. Oh, right? Like, I mean, whew, she would do this regularly. It was so awesome. And Melissa and I were just hanging out and going, man, that's just what we, like, I just miss my mom picking up the kids and so that we could just have that weekend with no kids. Basically, I just want a weekend alone with my wife. But really what was going on here is we, we started talking, just going, yeah, and we started getting a little nostalgic, a little homesick. And then we started to tell the stories, though, of what God's done here. Uh, another story about uh, our roommate, Tyler. It was Tyler's birthday, and Tyler moved out here to kind of do life with us, and so we wanted to celebrate his birthday. But Tyler watches our kids, like, all the stinking time. And so we're like, what can we do for Tyler's birthday? And so I know, let's go out and, like, take him to an adult dinner, right? It'll be a brand new concept. We'll have no idea what to do, but we didn't have a babysitter. And so I was calling people trying to figure out. And so I called up Chad and Trista Winemaster. For those of you who don't know, Chad serves uh, on our board, not necessarily in the board's job description, right? When you vote in a board member, it's not babysit the pastor's kids. Uh, Trista is our children's ministry director now. She wasn't at the time, but we just called up and explained the situation. Hey, we got this going on. Don't have a babysitter. Can our kids just come and hang out with you? And if you know Chad and Trista at all, you know how the story ends. They said, absolutely, you can, but there's just one caveat. Um, You see, we're having some construction done on our house that day, and so our world's a little bit chaotic. Kitchen, bathrooms, all kinds of stuff. Um, And so because our life is chaotic, we're actually just going to have a pizza party downstairs in the basement and watch movies. It's just going to be a real small family night, but absolutely, your kids can come over. And I almost dropped the phone. because. So not only are you saying yes to me dropping off my kids with you for the night, but your house is in chaos, right? Anybody been through construction? Is that the time you want guests? to come over and hang out, especially tiny little kids? No, absolutely not. Not only that, but they were having a family moment, a family evening, right? Just them and their kids downstairs watching a movie, having pizza. And they invited my family to come in and be a part of that. Listen, this is not something that board members do right? This is not something even that co-workers necessarily do. Occasionally, you might get a good friend, right, who'd be willing to do that every now and again. But as my wife and I were reflecting on that story, we went, that's really what, that's really what family does, you know? To p- marginalize themselves, to put themselves out there to make space for somebody else to come in. 
Another same kind of story, we had something similar going on. We wanted to go out to a movie premiere. I'm ashamed to say it was Beauty and the Beast. Um, but we wanted to go out to a, a movie premiere, and apparently we're the only people who don't like our children because uh, everybody else had their kids there, and we were like, forget that. We just want to go out and watch a movie. And uh, so Tyler wasn't able to babysit that night either. He was coming with us. And so who could we call? Who could we call? So we called up Josh and Rebecca Workman. Uh, they're probably the youngest couple in this church, no kids, Friday night. You got nothing better to do, right? Come over and watch my family. And uh, they did. They said yes to us. And uh, they're leading a life group on Wednesday night. So if you need free childcare, sign up for the Workman's Life Group. I'm just, they're at it. They're in like Iceland right now. So they're not even going to hear that. But here's the point. What I've found, what I've come to discover as I've stepped into community here is that we operate like a small family. I don't think that it's because I'm just the pastor. I think people know me because I'm up here with the microphone, right? It's easy for people to come here and see me. But in my experience, as I step into community and get to know people here, the people here have a heart's desire to create a church that feels like home. That's not to say that they're always going to watch your kids on Friday night, but it is to say that if you step into that community and find a place here where you begin to belong and knit those things together, then I think what you end up finding is these relationships that you can trust in, that you can put weight on, and you begin to belong to a family, something so much more than just casual acquaintances on a Sunday morning. Now, here's the, here's the reality with that, though. A lot of times we want to feel like we belong somewhere before we start acting like we belong there. You know what I mean? Like, think about when you moved into your house. It didn't feel like home right away. When you wanted it to feel like home and you missed it feeling like home, but eventually you started eating there and sleeping there and your kids started making memories there and what did not feel like home all of a sudden because of your actions began to feel like a home. When it comes to church, I think sometimes we want to open the door and we just want the experience to feel like we belong here mystically somehow. And sometimes that happens, and that's great. But far too often, belonging follows our actions and then becomes feeling, not the other way around. A lot of times, it's not just our feelings that make this a place that we can belong, but it's the steps and the actions that we take to step into community here. So case in point, life groups are, are happening right now. That can be a really scary thing to do. Right? I don't know these people. I don't know that house. I don't know what the evening's going to look like. That's weird. Uh, I'm not just going to show up randomly at somebody's house, but let me remind you that the point is to create and establish community, people that you can know here and be a larger part of the story that God's telling here at the porch. And so rather than waiting for our feelings to come and then responding, what if we stood out and stepped out in faith and said that we belong here, and therefore we're going to bring our feelings along for the ride. What if we started acting like this was home? How would that change for us? We're going to open our Bibles now, Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells a couple of stories about what it means to belong to God's family, and I think we're going to contextualize and find ourselves in these stories. If you brought a Bible, Luke chapter 15, if you didn't and you'd like to follow along, I'd encourage you to just slip your hand up. Our ushers are coming around with Bibles right now. Uh, they'd love to let you borrow one. As a matter of fact, if you don't own a Bible, please just keep this one. Uh, it's our gift to you. We're going to be on page 492 if you're using one of the Worship Center Bibles, and uh, I invite you to turn there. Of course, all of our scripture will be on the screen as well. So Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories that you've already heard before. I know that you've heard them before, but he tells them in response to a simple situation, and that's important for us today. So we're going to start Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners, brackets, bad people, right? Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So, so let's set the stage, right? All the bad people, all the not church people, all the people who aren't supposed to be uh, around Jesus, all the people who should know better, all those people who reject the church and who say that I'm just, just preaching at them to give them hard things to do, all those kinds of things, they're gathered in and they're pressing in close to listen to Jesus, Jesus has something to say to them, and they're gathered around. They want to hear what Jesus has to say to them, and in their situation, Jesus has created some kind of dynamic, something's going on behind the scenes that make bad people, people who would not normally give the time of day to a rabbi or a teacher or a messiah or this Jesus, and they're leaning in to the conversation. They're hanging on every single word. And of course, being the good church people, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the the church people, the pastors are all gathered around and they say, well, he must be watering down the gospel, right? He can't be preaching God's word. Otherwise, those sinners wouldn't want to lean into him. Apparently, when you're preaching the gospel, bad people don't want to listen. That's news to us, I know. But that's what the Pharisees were trying to portray and put on this situation. So Jesus is teaching, and all these bad people begin to lean in and listen to him. And the Pharisees go, well, that's because Jesus is clearly in the wrong. Because everybody knows that these are bad people. Everybody knows that these people don't belong, they don't belong in our churches. They don't belong in our cities, in our neighborhoods. They don't belong in our country. These are bad people. They do not belong here. This is the message that they're saying and muttering in between each other. And Jesus then launches into a set of three stories. It's actually one story with one point in three different versions. It's like the Trinity of Parables. Um, Have somebody explain that joke to you on the way home. Trinity of parables. It's funny. One story, three parts, okay? So he tells one story, and again, you've heard them all before. That's the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, or the prodigal son, you may have heard. We're just going to look at the parable parable of the lost sheep as kind of our illustration. We'll draw some points from there. So let's keep reading verse 3. All of this is happening. Bad people leaning in, good people saying, shame on you. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Each of the three stories follows the same basic principle. Jesus is trying to convey the same point. And the first is this, that, that uh, somebody loses something of value. Somebody loses something valuable. Parable of the lost sheep, right? It's a shepherd who loses one of his 99 sheep. Parable of the lost coin, the woman loses one of her 10 coins and she tears up the house looking for it. Parable of the lost son, the father loses one of his son. We'll review that story in just a moment. Somebody loses something that's valuable. Second part of the story is they find it. They set out on a journey, they seek it out and they find it. And when they find it, they throw a party. They rejoice, they celebrate. That's what this verbiage means when it says he called up all of his friends and they rejoiced together. What he's trying to say is they threw a party because what was lost has been found. Jesus tells three different stories all in three different ways with all the same structure and the same dynamic and he's trying to make one key point. 
He's trying to respond to these religious leaders, these people who are saying they're leaning in because Jesus is doing something wrong. Doesn't he know better? And Jesus says, no, there's something that you don't know. It's that in the family of God, in God's kingdom, everyone belongs to God's family. Everyone can find themselves in a piece of God's story, receiving the grace and the mercy of Jesus. In God's kingdom, everyone belongs. Everyone can find a place to call home. And so he tells these stories of a lost sheep who is then found and a woman who loses a coin. And it's disproportionately so because she loses a coin which was probably worth about a day's wages, maybe 50 or 100 bucks. But she tears up her house, it says. It's like she spends her entire day off searching for this one coin, searching for this one piece. And then she calls up her friends and they throw a party because she found this one coin. Here's the translation. The woman spent more looking for what was lost than what the coin was actually worth, which is really puzzling. See, in each of these stories, I said that someone loses something valuable, but, but that piece of valuable is subjective in each of these stories. It's not necessarily the value of the object. If you're a shepherd and you've got a hundred sheep, I don't even know how you count that consistently. You know what I mean? Like, they're moving all over the place. Sheep are dumb anyway, so it's not like you can pen them off or whatever. If I get to 90, counting to 100 sheep, I'm doing pretty dang good. You know what I mean? 95 is like a bonus. Not so with this shepherd. He says, no, every single one is valuable, and he knows every single one. And when one is missing, he stops the entire show. If one of you gets up to go to the restroom, we're not stopping. I don't know if you know that or not. You can test it out right now. Don't all of you go. That'll be a problem. But that's not going to happen here. But Jesus says, in God's kingdom, the one outweighs the many. There's a subjective value that the shepherd places on the sheep. The woman missing her coin, it was not just about the day's wages that she lost. She could have picked up an extra shift. She could have skipped breakfast. She could have done something to make up for her lost coin, but she didn't. She tore up the house, and then she threw a party because God wanted to teach us something about value. And the parable of the lost son is the same deal, right? The son approaches his father and says, hey, I wish you were dead so I could have my money. And the dad says, if you want it all that much here, take it. He goes and squanders all of his money and he finds himself at the very rock bottom and says, I could go and just be a servant in my dad's household. And he returns home. But the father has been seeking and finding and looking for what was lost. It says when he was far away, the father runs to him and throws him, not the party of the black sheep of the family, not the party of the son who had squandered half of the family's fortune. He throws him the party of the favored son. They kill the fattened calf. He throws the biggest party you can imagine. Translation, right? The son who is worthless in the world's eyes, in the father's eyes, is the most valuable. Heaven rejoices over one person who repents than over 99 who do not need to repent. God is telling us a story about how he functions and consequently how we as a church ought to function. That somebody has lost something that is personally valuable, illogically so, disproportionately so valuable to God and to us. And it sets out on a journey to find it, and when it does, it throws a party. This is the story of the church. It's the story of God's kingdom. And let me just make it clear for us today before we move on that as a church, we will place a disproportionate value on lost people. We will be unfair in our distribution of where programs and resources and things go. We will plant churches. We will do new outreaches. We will exhaust ourselves in pursuit of what was lost. 
Because this is how the economy works in God's kingdom. In 1 Corinthians, we're going to fast forward to the end of this verse here a little bit. Paul just has this climactic statement where he's talking about the people that God uses. And I just want to rest on this thought at the end of verse 28. It says, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Previous to this, he says, not many of you are wise. You were foolish when you were called. And he says, I've chosen the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Here's what that means for us this morning. God chose the outcasts, the sinners, the bad people. He chose the people that were not righteous to become the righteousness of God. And in the early church and in this church as well, that's how it works in God's economy, that he chose the people who do not belong to instead become the people who not only belong to God's family, but who carry that message forward into the world. The things that are not all of a sudden become the things that are in God's kingdom. And so that's what church is about. It's about celebrating lost things being found. That's the story of the gospel, that everyone belongs, and when we find people and they belong to God's family, we celebrate it. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but Sunday morning, church is a party. I know, right? Can you believe it? Church is a party, and here's what I mean by that. When we gather together, we come together, we have something to drink, we talk, we mingle, we laugh a little bit, we play some music, we sing some songs, and then we all go home. It's a celebration of the story of God that lost things have become found. And when we gather to celebrate, we see ourselves in that story because we recall and we recollect that the story is about us. That once I was lost and in darkness, once I was dead in my sins and transgressions, once I was separated from God, but then Christ found me. He sought me out, he saw me when I was dead, and he brought me back to life. And the reason that I show up here on Sunday morning is not because it's my job. The reason that I show up here on Sunday morning is to celebrate lost things being found, and that's my story. And I think it's your story too. I think that that's the story that God is telling in the midst of this. And when we come together to celebrate, we celebrate lost things being found and we recognize that story within ourselves as we also create it going forward from this place. I hope that we don't show up here to check a box. I hope that this isn't just a way to start off our week on the right foot. I hope it's not even that we have places here where we know people and feel known. I hope that we come here First and foremost, because we belong to the family of God. And when we come together, we celebrate and recognize that fact, and then we bring everyone along with us that we possibly can, because this is a party about us and about who God is and seeking out that which was lost. And that's why we bring people along with us in this story. I think that maybe as a church or as a culture, it's time for us to own some of Jesus' words in Matthew 9.13. He's talking again to the Pharisees, this religious group of people who are contradicting his ministry to these bad people. And Jesus says, go, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. A, a synonym there would be compassion. I desire mercy or compassion, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. See, there was a time when we all showed up to church because of the compassion and the grace and the love that we received here in Jesus Christ. But sometimes that changes over the course of our relationship with Jesus, and Sunday morning becomes an obligation. It becomes a sacrifice for us to plan our calendar and where we choose to be here instead of doing something that we'd really rather do. And Jesus says, I don't need your sacrifice. 
I need your mercy. I need your compassion. I need your heart full and tender to the things of God. I need you to come and celebrate and throw a party for lost things being found because that's how people belong to the kingdom of God. I'm not saying to show up here in order to belong. I'm saying I hope you come because you already do belong. You already belong to the family of God. You're already a piece of his kingdom. And when we step into community and fellowship here, you find that you already belong. Your church attendance has no impact on whether or not you make it to heaven, arguably. You can have that relationship with God. He can know your heart. You can have that relationship with him. But being a part of a community absolutely has to do with our attendance. Because if you're not here often enough to know people and connect with people, you're never going to find that place where you can really belong to a family. You already belong to God's family, and you're already a part of this family. Sometimes we just have to make the decision to do those things. We have to put the actions before our feelings. And in case it isn't crystal clear to you, let me just spell it out. No matter who you are, no matter what walk of life that you come from, no matter if you're a church person through and through, or this is your first time ever walking into this church or any church of the family of God, let me just say it this way, that you belong here. You belong here. You have a place and a community and an identity, and you can carve out a place and a space for God to work in your life through the significant relationships around you. You belong here. And that's not some kind of should statement or a guilt statement like, you should be in church, young man. That's not what we're going for. You can have a place to find community and identity and belonging, a place to ride out the ups and the downs of life, a place to celebrate and throw a party And also a place to mourn and to be a piece of God's kingdom here and now in this earth. You belong here. And if you're unsure about that, let me remind you that this is not just simply an invitation. It's a reminder to the reality of the fact that we are creating a family here. And that we're focused on those who are not yet here. And so in order to create belonging, in order to belong here, you may have a step forward to take. That may look like signing up for a life group. Again, there are two options out there that you can sign up for. It may look like finding a place to serve and checking a box to say, yes, I want to be involved in what God is doing there. It may mean being more consistent with your calendar and your schedule. I don't know what that step forward is for you. But what if we started acting like we belonged here instead of wishing that it were true? What if you recognized that God was already at work here and in this place and you stepped forward to be a piece of what God has for us. Listen, you already belong to God's family, and because of that, because of your value, your, your inexplicably value to God, how much he cares about you, you absolutely belong here. And this is your invitation to come and to shine the light and the love of Jesus with us and to belong to a family here. This is who we are. It's how we do what God has called and equipped us to do, and you're invited to take whatever step you need to in that direction. Now, speaking of steps, I've got one for you this morning. You saw the lovely Miss April over here painting this wonderful picture, and she's allowed a space for us to be a part of it, to be a piece of what God is doing. So there's some trees that are now darkening the night sky. We don't quite have a way to put them up on the screen for you this morning, but she's painted some trees on there. And so symbolically, we're going to invite you to come forward. I'm going to encourage you to go all the way around to this outside wall, and you're going to have a piece to use your unique gifting and wiring of God called a thumbprint, and we're going to put some paint on it. And if you'd like to, you can put your, your leaf, your mark, your sense of belonging on those trees. Again, we're going to be developing this picture over the next couple of weeks together. So the invitation is simply this. 
Whether you already belong to God's family or today is a new revelation of the fact that you do belong to God's family and you want to claim and be a part of that, you're welcome to come. If this is your home church, you're invited and encouraged to come. If this is your first time here, you belong to God's family and you are welcome to come and participate with us as we express that together. We're going to take some time now to sing another song. And as we do, you've got that moment, that opportunity to come forward and to be a part of what God is doing here. Because listen, everybody, everybody belongs in God's kingdom. Regardless of bad people, good people, regardless of personal preferences, no matter what, you belong in God's kingdom. And because you belong in God's kingdom, you can find a place to belong and to be and to create community and intimacy here. And by coming forward, we're just making a line in the sand. We're declaring together that we're going to be a part of creating a space where lost people can be found here, where people with no home and no sense of identity and no sense of calling can be found by God, and we can celebrate that together. You're going to come and you're going to put your fingerprint saying that you recognize that as an individual that you belong to the family of God. And we're going to do that corporately together now. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we are mindful of the fact that you are in this place. God, that you're in our midst. And as we recognize that we're a part of your family, that you died to save us, God, we're grateful that not only that you died so that we could have an eternal home in heaven, but you died so that we could have life to the fullest now, God. And that looks like community and people to share life with. It looks like having friends and neighbors and families that will take your kids and families whose kids that you take to hang out with, God. It looks like belonging. And that's a picture of your kingdom. And so, God, now as we recognize that in our own lives, God, we respond to you by saying that we want to belong in a local context that feels like home. And if that's here for you, or even if you're still looking to find where here is, then you're invited to respond, God. As we respond to this message to you to belong to your family, God, I ask and pray that it would be significant in our lives that as we see our fingerprints, that we would recognize and respond to your goodness that leads us forward, God, that we would be the first people in line to celebrate that we once were lost and now we are found. And that as we gather together regularly, that it would become a moment for us, that it would become a no place that we would rather be than right here where you've called us to be, God. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name. Again, instructions are, you can come along the outside of the walls, line up over there, Put your thumb on the painting. We've got baby wipes so you can clean off your hands once you're done. Uh, April and Jen are over there, and they will give you some instructions. But again, outside the last row of chairs and around. You've got this entire song to respond as well. So do whatever you need to do. You can sit, you can stand, and uh, the invitation is to come.
Jesus, our Savior. I believe in God, our Father. I believe in Christ, the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three. 